Ewan McGregor and Disney Plus's Kenobi series seems to be in troubled waters, Captain Marvel 2 is now in development, and Rotten Tomatoes may be deleting Doctor Who Season 12 user reviews. Plus, I talk about the future of video game on-screen adaptations post The Witcher, and review the documentary Raise Hell, The Life and Times of Molly Irvins. So sit back and enjoy this week's episode of Small Screen Stories. Hello and welcome back to Small Screen Stories. This is the podcast where I go through all the news of the week in the world of entertainment and pop culture. And I also review some stuff every now and again. So let's get started with what I believe to be the most interesting story of the week. And that's that Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi series hasn't been cancelled by Lucasfilm. So there were rumours that um, that the show had been cancelled. I, I'm To be honest, well, I do know where the rumours came from. It actually came from a fake Twitter account which was posing as Discussing Film. Discussing Film is quite a well-known Twitter account that uh, and they they have they, they they get some scoops and stuff and actually they are really really reliable actually in um in general. But um basically it was a fake account that had switched the S and the C over in Discussing Film and people hadn't really <laughs> taken any notice and thought thought it was them and uh place uh, I won't I won't go and name some outlets but they went and ran the story as if um yes it had actually been cancelled in real life however there i mean it it then moved on from uh the from kenobi having been cancelled to having been delayed by lucasfilm which apparently isn't the case either so you mcgregor uh, was talking to i think it was it was comicbook.com he was talking to them it was during a, a press um, press junket for birds of prey and he basically said that no, the release date is going to stay the same. But he did admit that the um, the filming had slipped to next year. So this is this is actually basically they're all ready to film at Pinewood Studios, and then apparently Lucasfilm just said no, um, we're not we're not doing it now. We're going to have to do it later, and sent everybody home. But this is um, this is what the, the direct quote of what uh, Ewan McGregor told ComicBook.com. He said. It just slipped to next year. That's all. The scripts are really good. I think that's. I think that's so. Now that episode nine came out and everyone at Lucasfilm's got more time to look to spend on writing, they felt like they wanted more time to write the episodes. I read about eighty to ninety percent of what they've written so far, and it's really, really good. And instead of shooting this August, they just want to start shooting in January. That's all. It's nothing more dramatic than that. It often happens in projects. They just wanted to push to next year. So basically, uh, he then went on to say, it'll have the same release date. I don't think it'll affect the release date. They're still shooting towards having the series released when it was going to originally release. So pretty, I mean, I suppose we've got to take him for his word there. Um, that, you know, he, he's read, first off, he's read the scripts um, that they've that they've they've got already um deborah cho is uh, the series showrunner and she directed some episodes of the mandalorian and i was i'm really really looking forward to seeing the series and i really do hope that they well they, they they actually get on and make it and and make sure that it's as good as it possibly can be so i'm not that bothered about um about the series being even if it's delayed i don't mind as long as we do get it we're also told that it might be a, a shorter season so um as opposed to it being, I think they were going to make it eight episodes, like The Mandalorian. So as opposed to it being eight, I think they're going to cut it down to six. Uh, maybe, I'm hoping that they make them longer episodes. Um, there's even been rumors that it might just be turned into a movie, but I, I don't think they're going to do that. Other Disney Plus news, talking of Disney Plus, um, the release date here in the UK has been pushed forward. Woohoo! And uh, also, we've got a price point. So it's it was originally going to release on the thirty first of March this year, but uh, no, Digital Spy uh, revealed that actually it's the streaming service is going to arrive on the twenty fourth rather than the thirty first, and that's here in the UK, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, Ireland, Switzerland, and Austria, which is wonderful, wonderful news because it means we get a, <laughs> we get a couple more days. Uh, of Disney Plus, and also uh, we, it was also revealed that here in the UK, uh, Disney Plus will cost five ninety nine pounds a month, or in Europe that's sixty six ninety nine, and that you can also do a monthly, um, sorry, not a month, an annual subscription of fifty nine ninety nine pounds in the UK and sixty nine ninety nine in Europe, 
which is really that's a really good price point and they're undercutting their, their competitors by a lot so uh i think netflix might be slightly worried because that is a price point they can't really compete with uh netflix is going up and up and up uh amazon prime basically you've got amazon prime video if you're an amazon prime um, uh, member so m- most people that want next day delivery uh, will have Amazon Prime. So that's I think that's actually quite a, a good business model because it means that they've always always got people subscribed to their um, to their net uh, their um, streaming platform, and they're kind of trying to do the same thing with Disney Plus by offering a yearly subscription, an annual subscription, which I think is something that Netflix should probably look at because um, it. I mean, I I've coined this phrase. Um, well, I think I have. I don't know. Other people might have done the same thing. I quite like like calling it um, so streaming platform hopping. It's quite long, so maybe no no, <laughs> no one's actually coined it yet. But um, basically, people go from one streaming platform to the next, um, based on what's what's out at the moment. So I know that a lot of people, for instance, that I know, only have Netflix when Stranger Things is back, and they'll just have it during for like a month um, when the big the big shows come out and then once something else comes up on another streaming platform they then cancel their subscription with Netflix or whoever and then go to the to the other one so it's like channel hopping just for streaming platforms and uh, it makes sense because it makes it a lot cheaper um, rather than having them all uh, subscribe to all of them at the same time but you know the, the offering an, a yearly subscription an annual subscription is a way to stop that because people just forget and then it'll just keep on renewing every year <laughs> what happens to a lot of people out there they just subscribe to things for a year forget about it during the year and then they're like oh god it's just it's gone again you know and then it just becomes a bit more complicated to to go in and out of uh, of uh, streaming platforms it's very complicated anyway moving away from streaming platforms and on to well actually no one last bit of uh, streaming platform news is that uh, Netflix is reportedly going to spend $18 billion on original content in 2020, which is insane. It's such a lot of money. Um, it's, it's, it's good and bad news. First off, if you're a Netflix um, subscriber, you'll be like, brilliant, 18, 18 billion on, on original content. I'm going to get my money's worth, aren't I? So we basically know where all uh, our hard-earned cash is going to, you know, the, for all of us that are subscribed to Netflix is going to this original content, this big push into original content, which is how Netflix is going to fight, I suppose, uh, the other streaming platforms, basically by creating more original content, hopefully better original content as well. But um, <clears throat> this was reported by Deadline. It, it's, it's a lot of money to spend considering that um, Netflix is already about, I think it's $13.5 billion in debt. And if you're um, if you're on the board, or you know, if you if you've got stakes in Netflix, which I'm pretty sure a lot of people have, you might be a bit worried about this because you'd be like, look, guys, we just don't have the money to spend. But um, the this you know, Netflix's CEO Reed Hastings is really you know, this is his plan is to make as much original content as they possibly can in order to ensure that people say stay subscribe to their uh, their their service you know to remain remain loyal customers makes sense anyway arrow star let's move away from uh, streaming and onto arrow uh, Stephen Amell um, so a couple of months ago he was doing a podcast he was doing the Michael Rosenbaum podcast which is called inside of you and um, he actually suffered a panic attack during this podcast so if you're not aware who, of uh, who Michael Rosenbaum is, he played Lex Luthor in Smallville, and he has his own podcast, which is actually very, very good. You should have a listen. Um, and he had Stephen Amell back on this week, and uh, it was last week, sorry, and uh, explained, they basically explained what happened the last time Stephen Amell was on, and they could, said he was mentally exhausted, and that actually... Um, Amel revealed that he had a panic attack. He said, my wife forced me to go to the doctor doctors today because she thought something was wrong with me. He admitted to Rosenbaum. She really got mad at me and she told me to get my shit together. <clears throat> that really got to me. He also said, um, I need to mentally rest. I feel like I've, feel like I've been trying to do things for people for the last eight years and I just need a expletive break. 
Uh, he said he was totally out. He said, I had a blast, but I was there for the money more so, for the love and <laughs> money, but more so money. Yeah, I'm not quite sure about that quote, to be honest. Um, but then, um, so basically, he, he they, they went on to say that he had to cut the interview short because he had a full-on panic attack. And uh, he came back a few weeks later to chat about it. And he was in a really bad place. But he was happy to report that he was doing much, much better. So, yeah, good news that he's that Stephen Amell's feeling okay. But um, I wasn't so sure about his little thing about saying he did the last season for the money. But then again, if you've watched the last season, you might understand it's not very good. The last season of Arrow. Right, so, um, Altered Carbon, season two. The release date has been revealed. So, the actual... Uh, if you haven't seen season one of Altered Carbon, it's kind of weird, but weird in a good way. Um, I really, really like it. It's it's an, an interesting series. And it's one that... I'm happy they I'm happy they're doing it they've done a season 2 because it's something that it's a good proof of concept I think the first season it's um it's starring the next season starring Anthony Mackie who fantastic actor come on he's he's brilliant he plays uh he's he's in the Marvel movies he's uh, the Falcon he, so it, actually this year's going to be a big year for him he's got Ultra Carbon season 2 and he's also got uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out two pretty big shows and it's um the show this show altered carbon is based on a novel by richard morgan which came back in 20 uh, 2002 and um it's kind of like a cray a bit of a weird cyberpunk world that it's set in and um it, it stars a detective called uh, takeshi kovacs who can transfer his uh, consciousness into different bodies called sleeves it's <laughs> bit of a disgusting concept when you see it but it actually really works for a really interesting premise of the show so it basically means however however many um um seasons they decide to make of this show every season can be led by a different actor which i think is a really a really interesting concept and it's been revealed that uh, the next season season two is going to land on netflix on february 27th 2020 and i i honestly i highly recommend this show um you have to stick with it, I think. Uh, it's it's very strange, but I think it's got a lot to offer. I would I would say for me, I think this the first season of the show came in a kind of seven six point five range out of ten. Um, if I were to review it now, um, but there are really interesting things about it. That I think uh, are well worth your time. In rather strange news, apparently Rotten Tomatoes has been deleting Doctor Who season twelve audience reviews. This is very strange because if it's true, it's it's actually it's, it's not good at all. But I, um, I suppose what if the, if this is to be believed, it's because uh, Rotten Tomatoes does suffer a lot from a bombardment of reviews from the same people. But uh, people have taken to Reddit to reveal that their reviews keep on getting deleted. So it's it's something that's that's really both not good for Rotten Tomatoes and not good for, good for Doctor Who because. Doctor Who on on Rotten Tomatoes, its its uh, uh, audience score is fourteen percent, which is terrible. It's really not good. And uh, if if they are deleting reviews already, then that number should be much much lower. And I don't think I don't. I mean, it could have something to do with the whole you know Jodie Whittaker being in in, in the lead and people just bombarding Doctor Who with negative reviews which happens with a lot of stuff on Rotten Tomatoes you know happened with The Last Jedi it happened with um I'm, I'm blanking on some of the other films and tv shows that have happened with but it's happened with a lot of stuff so this could be them trying to counteract that but if they're it looks like they're deleting the wrong people's reviews which isn't good but um I mean, hopefully it's not true, and hopefully it's just a, a lot of hot air. But there's been a lot of a lot of talk online, people on Reddit claiming that it is true. And uh, more Doctor Who news: uh, Jodie Whittaker, who plays the Doctor, has confirmed that she'll be back for season thirteen, which uh, which is good news because I think she's great. But it also means that Chris Chibnall is back as the showrunner, and I think he's the problem with these these new episodes of Doctor Who, which really haven't been good they haven't been good i think uh whittaker is a great actress and she deserves a much much better con um yeah source material than what she's getting the, the scripts just are terrible 
And um, I know, I know they're trying to be more. Um, what's the word? Um, more inclusive and almost uh, go back to kind of Doctor Who teaching, which is basically what it is. Is every week it's like a, it's a it's a new lesson that we have to learn, you know. And um, what the Doctor, I think Doctor Who's at its best when it's just about storytelling. And I really think that these like this last season and this current one that it suffers from uh, that the fact that these that they're more concerned with trying to convey a message rather than trying to tell a story and kind of interweave the message within the story i think it need i think they need someone else at the, uh, you know in charge i think that's really the problem so let's move away from tv stuff and onto movie stuff um <laughs> karen gillan has revealed that she wants to start and direct a bat start in sorry and direct a batgirl movie and uh you know what let her do it i think she would be a fantastic batgirl she's got red hair which is uh you know that's something that you need <laughs> to, to play Batgirl. She's also a very, I think, a very, very good actor, and also uh, becoming an interesting filmmaker. So she was asked um, if she'd ever like to direct a comic book movie, and she said Batgirl would be cool for that. My favorite film in that world, my favorite one is The Dark Knight. I just love the way uh, the one was directed so much. So I would just love to work in that world as a director. Come on, DC, look over this way. So she, if if that were to happen, she'd be another person to jump over from um, from Marvel to DC, which is uh, is something people seem to be doing quite a lot now. And uh, Marvel might start worrying about it. You know that you've already got James Gunn doing this, doing Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad. Although he is going back to Marvel. And uh, people seem to be more interested in what uh, DC and Warner Brothers have to offer these days because they're kind of different. They're they're opening up a bit. I think. I think that's that's the right way to to put it. Marvel. Let's move on to Marvel. So Marvel Eternals plots synopsis has been teased or basically is out, and it uh, it teases the arrival of the Deviants into the MCU. So the Deviants are a bit of a weird. Um, <laughs> So this film, first off, this film is being directed by Chloe Zhao, and she's working on a script by Matthew K. Furpo and uh, Ryan Furpo uh, brothers, I believe. And um, this is I, I'm I'm pretty excited about this movie. It's got a very good cast. It's got the likes of Angelina Jolie in there. We all know that Kumail Nanjiani's in this movie. It's, it's just Kit Harington's in it as well. Richard Madden, a very very good cast. Um, the Deviants, well, they were introduced in the very first issue of Jack Kirby's Eternals comic book. So they're basically just a, another branch of the evolutionary process that's created sentient life on Earth. Um, and they're instigated by the alien uh, celestials, and they wage war against their counterparts, the Eternals. So they're they're constantly at war with the Eternals, and they're they're a nasty bunch. And I'm really looking forward to seeing them in the MCU because they're different. And I think the MCU is really going to rely on these kind of different alien races in their future movies, which is what they need, really. They really do need this. Um, other MCU news is that Patrick Stewart <laughs> has been talking to Kevin Feige about Charles Xavier, which has had a lot of people questioning um, whether he might be looking to return as the character in the MCU. He said um, he was talking to Digital Spy and he said, I met with Kevin Feige a couple of months ago and we had a long, long conversation. And there have been movies and suggestions which include Charles Xavier. So is Kevin Feige trying to convince uh, good old Patrick Stewart to come back as uh, Professor X? Because honestly, there's nobody else that could play Professor X. Honestly, I, I cannot think of anyone better than Patrick Stewart. Uh, in other MCU Marvel news, Hugo Weaving revealed why he didn't want to return as Red Skull in Avengers Infinity War, and he basically said that Marvel is impossible to work with. They couldn't come to an agreement, and it was all over. It was basically all to do with money. So he was talking to Time Out, and he said, I loved playing the character Red Skull. It was a lot of fun. We were obliged to sign up for three pictures. I was thinking Red Skull probably wouldn't come back in Captain America, but he may well come back as a villain in the Avengers. By then, they pushed back the contracts that we agreed on, and so the money they offered me for the Avengers was much less than I got for the very first one, and this was for two films. And the promise when we first signed the contracts was that the money would grow each time. 
they said it's just a voice job it's no big deal i actually found negotiating with them through my agent impossible and when i really didn't want to do it that much but i would have done it (laughs) so basically he's blaming marvel he's blaming um, marvel studios and it does actually sound like they kind of promised him something and went against that promise which isn't it's not a very good look really not a good look uh i i do hope that um <laughs> i mean what we ended up happily getting was ross mark on doing a, a a voiceover you know an impression of uh of hugo weaving's red skull and it really actually was quite a good impression i'm going to be honest Apparently, uh, more Marvel news, there's a lot this week, is that um, Josh Boone kind of revealed that his uh, New Mutants movie is connected to the X-Men films. Josh Boone has been talking a lot about the New Mutants and actually revealed that um, Disney is just, they're just going to release his cut of the movie, which is really, really good. Um, but he was, again, speaking to Digital Spy and said that his movie is absolutely an X-Men movie, but with some very important differences. There's reference and things that happen that are part of the greater whole, but we very much wanted it tonally and aesthetically to stand on its own. It's very grounded and very credible, and because we shot it in a real, in real location, it will just never look like a typical comic book movie where there's a lot of green screen. And everything sort of looks like there's a painted sheen of CGI across it. We're really going for something not an indie movie, but a little more rough around the edges like that. So he he kind of, um, he's talking about, he what I suppose that what he's really saying there, he's wanted an independent movie, kind of indie, indie feel vibe, but have it with a, a bit of a, a bit bigger than an indie movie, kind of have that to- and tonally, similarities tonal similarities to the previous x-men movies in certain parts but make it a bit more realistic which might be interesting to see he went on to say um i'm sure in in some world in the future these things would all connect but these movies will stand on their own if you put all the x-men kids from a pg-13 x-men movie into deadpool it'd be a weird match this is also the same way i'd be interested to see how they were able to do that because the tone of ours is so different so it sounds it sounds like this is I think this is going to stand on its own. Uh it, there were there were rumors that it might be in kind of somehow brought into the MCU. Uh there was a a leaked kind of well I suppose it was a post on the Marvel website claiming that uh the new mutants is part of the MCU. So people are excited and kind of I think I want to see what this movie is all about. I've wanted to see this film for a long, long time. I'm interested in it. I like Josh Boone. I like the idea. I like the fact that it's got a kind of haunted house vibe. I want a more um, focused story in one location. I like that aspect of it. The last trailer made it seem a bit kind of more X-Men-y than I really wanted it to be. I I really do want it to be something unique within the universe. But we're going to have to wait and see. We are going to have to wait and see. We might have to wait. We're, and it's, it's coming out in April, so it's not that long to wait. And uh, final bit of Marvel news this week. Yes, it's... Oh, no, not final. Um, penultimate bit of Marvel news. I believe that's the right word. Uh, Captain Marvel 2 is now in development and will be set in the present day. So, um, <laughs> there's been a, a lot of discussion about this on, on the website. People seemingly not being that enthusiastic about Captain Marvel 2 and um, you know there are reasons I won't go into those reasons now why people don't aren't so enthusiastic about Captain Marvel 2 and Brie Larson as Captain Marvel but um, no it's been revealed that uh, that it's now officially in, in development and that comes from the Hollywood Reporter and they also revealed that WandaVision writer Megan McDonnell is going to be writing the script um, it's also been revealed that Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck, who co-wrote the first movie, won't be returning to Captain Marvel 2. So this is kind of sad because I did I did like them. But it's also that apparently, according to The Hollywood Reporter, they are looking for a female director. And I've got um, a pretty good idea who they might go for. And I'll talk about that a bit more later on in the show. Uh, last bit of the, This is the last bit of Marvel news. Doctor Strange 2 is rumored to introduce Miss America into the MCU. So not a... <laughs> This is not Miss America, the winner of the beauty pageant. This is uh, Miss America, also known as America Chavez, 
who is um, a very interesting character from the comic books. She's actually, she's a, a magical character. So how can this happen? Right. And why, why do people think she's going to be in, in Doctor Strange 2? Well, one of the reasons is because she can open up the MCU to the multiverse. So she was created back in 2011 by Joe Cassie and Nick Dragotta. And she's the new incarnation of the Miss Marvel, a Miss America character. In the comics, she was um, raised on a, on a, in a utopian parallel universe. It's um, an idyllic dimension which was disconnected from other realities. And she was raised on that planet in that in that parallel universe by her two mothers. Um, her mothers were forced to sacrifice their lives to stop a pair of black holes from destroying the dimension they lived in. And whilst growing up in this alternate universe, uh, Chavez America uh, was... Um, sorry, America Chavez was able to hone her skills and her powers that she received thanks to her her proximity to the, the magical forces. So her powers include the uh, likes of flight, superhuman strength and speed. She's, so she's basically indestructible. And the most interesting power she has is the ability to create something called star portals. So this allows her to open up star-shaped portals to travel across space and time. And, of course, the multiverse. So she's a magical character and, you know, they need more magical characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because you can't, you can't just have one. You can't just have Doctor Strange. All you have two with, uh, you know, you do have two. Um, but another one wouldn't be a bad thing, I don't think. And, um, and there are rumors that they're going to bring her into, into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and into this movie in particular. So... Let's um let's move away from Marvel and why don't we move on to Joker on Wacken Phoenix. So he paid a rather um lovely tribute to former Joker actor Heath Ledger when he was accepting his SAG award win. So he uh, w- was awarded with the um he he won the outstanding performance by male actor award in a leading role at the SAG awards this year for his portrayal of Arthur Fleck in Joker. So that was uh, last Sunday, and um, not this Sunday, just gone by, the one before. And he started off his acceptance speech by basically going through every other actor nominated and saying how much he loved their work. So it was Leonardo DiCaprio, Christian Bale, Adam Driver, and Taron Egerton. Uh, But then he finished off by saying, I'm standing here on the shoulders of my favorite actor, Heath Ledger. So um, Ledger died back in 2008, where he actually, after which he... After his death, his very sad death, he won the Best Supporting Actor uh, Award for the 2009 Oscars for his portrayal of Joker in uh, in The Dark Knight. Uh, and I thought that was a, a very touching moment, a really, really touching moment. And um, it's, uh, you know, it, it makes you it makes you realize that that obviously he was, had a lot of respect for Heath Ledger and. Um, Ledger's performance will live on in the, in everybody's memories as uh, as one of the, if not the best portrayal of the Joker ever. And there've also been review. Um, there have been rumors that Joker Two will actually introduce, in quotation marks, the real Joker. Now I don't believe this to be true one second, but a lot of outlets um, have reported it, and uh, they're basically saying that uh, the Joker sequel will reveal that Arthur Fleck is more of um, a blueprint. For the for the next Joker, so someone that um, whoever is going to become the actual Joker will take great inspiration from and copy basically, which I don't like that idea. They they kind of did that in Gotham, and it's a bit it's a bit meh really as an idea. But you know who knows? Maybe maybe it'll work. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't think they're gonna do it. Uh, I think they'll do a sequel, and I think it'll just be another Arthur Fleck story. And um, what other DC news do we have? So we have... Oh, yes, this is quite interesting. Justice League Dark movies and TV shows apparently are in development at J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot Studio. So we don't know um, whether J- how well, whether J.J. Abrams himself will be heavily involved in this, but we do know that Bad Robot will be producing these TV shows and movies. They'll most likely turn up on um, HBO Max. And... Um, I'm really excited for this. Uh, I was really disappointed to learn that um, you know back a couple of years back that Guillermo del Toro 
wouldn't be making uh, his Justice League Dark film. I really wanted him to get it done. But no, I think this is um, this is it's a good uh, compromise because Bad Robots have done some very, very good things in the past. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that um, that they, they do some good things in the future. I, I like that. I like the sound of this. I think I think it's going to be good. So this this next story <laughs> I really, really like, but I think it's a bit tongue in cheek. So first off, the story is that Jennifer Aniston revealed after winning an award that she really wished she'd played Wonder Woman. So the Friends star, she's um, she's in the the morning show, the the TV show on Apple Plus, and she won uh, the award, for, uh, the Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Female Actor in a Drama Series for her performance in that. And afterwards, she was talking to the press um, after her win, and uh, she was asked who. Um, what she was going to do moving forward. And it was then that she revealed that she she said, I wanted to be Wonder Woman, but I waited too long. I don't know. I have a lot to do. I really honestly feel like I'm just kicking into a creative stride. I've just discovered a new love of this in a new way that I didn't know that I had before. So I almost have have new eyes and I'm seeing what it is that I can do as an actor. I want to do more comedies. I want to have some laughter. So, yeah, she kind of started off by giving, you know, it's a little bit of a joke, I think. And also, I'm going to be honest, I don't think Jennifer Aniston's right for the part at all. Um, I think she would would be very good in a Wonder Woman movie. Uh, I think that would be quite interesting. G- give her a role in a Wonder Woman movie. Not as Wonder Woman, because I think Gal Gadot is perfect in the role. But, you know, we've got Kristen Wiig. You know, you've got funny people. In uh, in these Marvel movie in the in the Marvel movies, so why not bring funny people into the DC EU movies as well? I mean, I got, I'm so excited for Wonder Woman 1984. I really really can't wait for that film, and I think I'm really hoping that Kristen Wiig is going to deliver an incredible performance because I want to see them bring in more actors like that, like the Michael Peña's in 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 the in the Marvel movies. You know that they're, they're really really good kind of a comedic outlet and I think that um I think Jennifer Aniston actually would really work I think she's great in uh in the horrible boss movies you know in the horrible bosses movies and um if you've watched the morning show you'll know how good she is she is really good uh I'm I hope I hope I hope she does she does get something kind of a bit different National Treasure 3 apparently is happening this is this um, to me was. <laughs> I've been waiting for a National Treasure three movie for quite a while. I love I love the franchise so much, and uh, basically it's been revealed by the Hollywood Reporter that um, <clears throat> Disney has hired Bad Boys for Life writer Chris Bremer to work on the screenplay. So it's been over thirteen years since the last movie came out, uh, National Treasure two, and um, it's you know. It's the kind of it's Nicholas's Cage, Nicholas Cage's kind of, uh, I suppose you could call it his Indiana Jones franchise. I think so. It's it's pretty similar, and uh, you know it's it's one of those films that it it got a lot of love, but didn't I? Don't, I suppose it didn't do that well. Maybe it didn't do that well at the at the box office. So they kind of put put the third movie on hold. But um, I'm glad to hear that they're um, they're thinking of doing this, and they they're, at least they're getting a script done. That's that's the best thing. So, <clears throat> the Star um, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker is now officially the lowest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Can you believe that? The lowest rated movie. Well, so it's the lowest rated uh, Star Wars movie on Rotten Tomatoes. What does this mean? So basically, it means that according to this, the the famous popular uh, kind of movies aggregator site, reviews aggregator site, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker is worse than The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith, which I don't agree with at all, but I mean, it's at 52%, so this is with the, and this is the critics, this isn't the audience score, this is the critics score. The critics really didn't like this film, did they? I mean, I understand. I understand why they didn't like it, but I, I really, I'm going to be completely honest here. You've got to be objective about it. You can't say it's worse than all of the prequel films. You just can't. 
but you know i suppose in, in retrospect these things might be they might end up kind of sorting themselves out within when in time but the yeah the critic reaction critic response critical response to this movie was not good and uh, and it's it's um it's shown in that 52 percent on rotten tomatoes which i was surprised by but you know it's just i suppose it's just one of those things really uh apparently so let's talk about the flash the flash movie is rumored to um maybe feature jessica chastain playing a female reverse flash so if you don't know what's happening with the, with the flash movie a lot's happening with this film it is happening first off secondly it's being directed by andy muschietti who directed the it movie um it chapter one and it chapter two and he has a really good working relationship with Jessica Chastain. They've worked on a lot of movies together and seem to really enjoy working together. And uh, the idea, this this was posted on 4chan, is that there's a leaked um, plot synopsis and also leaked cast list. And Jessica Chastain under there is, a, is marked down as reverse flash in, in brackets in talks. So it sounds like she's in talks to play reverse flash. You know what? A female Eobard Thorne... I'm all for. Um, Jessica Chastain is a brilliant actress. And I think she would actually work quite well on screen with um, Ezra Miller's Flash. And uh, fingers crossed this movie, first off, is going to happen. And secondly, is going to be as good as I really, really want it to be. Colin Trevorrow has confirmed that uh, the Star Wars Episode Nine leaked scripts, the, uh, the, the leaked script, sorry, the first one, is real. So I spoke about this last week. There was a leaked Star Wars script, and I really, really liked this script, um, but there were kind of um, questions about its authenticity, let's say. So first of the film was called Star Wars Jewels of the, Jewel of the Fates, which I really love. I love that name. I think it's better than The Rise of Skywalker. And Colin Trevorrow took to Twitter to say, yes, this is from uh, Jewel of the Fates, but I never killed R2. He just took a bad hit. Happens to all of us. So he basically, um, this was, he retweeted a tweet in which there was some concept art of his movie. The concept art looks brilliant. It looks so good. And um, and yeah, the he basically revealed that um, both the, in, in one tweet, that both the leaked scripts and uh, the concept art is all true. It's all, it all actually is what he wrote and what he had in mind for the next Star Wars movie. It's a shame we never got to, got to see him do it. But you can't have everything in this life. And, um, you know, the movie that we got in the end, I actually think it, I quite like the ending. Um, it's it's very crowd-pleasing. Um, apparently not so much critic-pleasing, but again, you can't have everything. Um, and it's just it's just one of those things that, you know, you got to live with it, really. Colin Farrell has been talking about the Batman. And uh, he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live and... Basically, Kimmel was just, <laughs> he was asking quite a few questions about the Batman movie. And he, he, he revealed that he said, okay, this is what he had to say about the Batman script. He said, I'm still in the process of talking to Matt Reeves, who's the director and who, who wrote the script and wrote a really, really beautiful, dark, moving re- script, really gorgeous. So he then started discussing about reading it. And he said, yes, I read it um, with a chain around my arm and a cryogenically frozen script. It's all very hush-hush, but it's a really beautiful script that he wrote, and he just has a real love for it, Matt. And we're just in the process of finishing designing the aesthetics for the character. And so basically, uh, if, you're not, if you don't know, Colin Farrell is playing the Penguin in, um, in this upcoming Batman movie, The Batman, which uh, stars is going to star Robert Pattinson as the Dark Knight, Batman, Zoe Kravitz as Batwoman, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Commissioner Gordon, Colin Farrell, of course, as the Penguin. It's a fantastic cast, a really great cast, and he's he's been very positive about the script, and I really, really can't wait to see him in the role. He's put on um, a bit of weight for the role, not not too much. People have you know people have actually called him fat. He's he's not fat. He's just a bit heavier than normal, which I suppose is kind of. Uh, what you expect from that character he's meant to be a bit a bit more a bit bigger he you know we, we're used to like the Danny DeVito uh, version of the character but this is going to be slightly different and uh, and I really really can't wait to see what he does with it and 
There's also been some news about uh, Robert Pattinson's Batsuit and Batmobile in the movie. So it's being reported that his Batsuit's going to be... So we actually heard this before, but it's been reported that his Batsuit is going to be very much Batman, but more comic book accurate. And the comic book in particular is the long Halloween graphic novel. So that means that his Batsuit will probably be grey and dark blue. And then the Batmobile... It said that the Batmobile uh, is going to be more of a kind of um, souped-up muscle car than a tank. So it seems like the Batsuit and the Batmobile will be going back to, you know, more comic book accurate um, stuff than we've had in the in the past. And I, I I like that. I like the fact that they're going down this route, and I think it's going to be very, visually very very interesting indeed. Um, final, I think this yeah, final bit of uh, of news, movie news this week, is probably my favourite news of the year so far. We're gonna get all the Studio Ghibli movies on Netflix. I love, I'm, I can't wait to see this. It's so exciting. So basically, it means that the likes of Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, Ponyo, Princess Mokone, and um, yeah, I, I think uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, The Tales of Princess Kaguya, they're all going to be on Netflix within the next month. Yeah, so like they're all going to be, um, they're all going to be on on the streaming service in February. Um, apart from in the US, which I find quite funny. Finally, the US gets doesn't get something that we get. Oh, Mar- March and no, it's actually yeah March. So we got a couple in February, a couple in March, and a couple in April. So um, I can go through all of them. So in in, Mar- in February, we've got Cast in the Sky, My Neighbor Totoro, Kikari's Delivery Service, Only Yesterday, Poco Rosso, uh, Ocean Waves, Tales of Earth's, Tales from Earth Sea, and then in March we've got God, I can't say all this uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Princess Mo- um, <laughs> Monoke or Mono. I think I think that's right. My Neighbours, The Yamadas, Spirited Away, The Cat Returns, Arietti, The Tales of Princess Kagua. And then in April, we'll get uh, Pompoko, uh, Whisper of the Heart, Howl's Moving Castle, Ponyo, uh, From Up on on Poppy Hill, The Wind Rises, and When Marnie Was There. And I I think I've seen quite a few of these movies. Um, I love uh, Studio Ghibli films. I think they're wonderful, wonderful movies. So basically, Netflix has just got them all. It's got, I think, I'm pretty sure that's all of them. It's 21 movies. I'm pretty sure that's all those films. And there are some brilliant movies in there. So Spirited Away, obvious, obvious, like, one of the best animated movies ever made. My, Na- My Neighbor Totoro is wonderful. I love The Wind Rises. Only Yesterday is so good. Howl's Moving Castle is, is also really good. Porco Rosso is brilliant. Ponyo is beautiful. They're beautiful, wonderful, just incredible movies. And if you really get the chance, if you, I mean, you do get the chance, if you've got Netflix, you've got to watch. You've got, you've got to watch these movies. You just have to watch these films. Right, so trailer time. There's only been one trailer this week, and that was the trailer for Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7. And it teases more Darth Maul action than ever. So this is the final season of Star Wars The Clone Wars, and... Um, you know what? This is a great show. <laughs> it's a very good Star Wars show, and it's coming back. Dave Filoni's back. Uh, this this is like this is pretty big. This because um, we've been waiting uh, well forever for this this new season, and uh, and it's it's going to be the last one. But I think it, after this, we're going to see some other animated series, and um, it's really I think it's going to kickstart a new kind of beginning for for these animated star wars tv shows and it's going to be on it's february 21st it's it's going to be on uh, on disney plus so we're going to have to wait until march anyway but it's something that I'll, i want to watch immediately and also want to re-watch star wars clone wars and i think you guys should too so i mentioned this before i'm going to go into the features that i wrote this week only two features this week and um, the first one, I mentioned this a bit before, but I think Captain America 2 is going to be directed by the Farewell director. Um, the Farewell's a wonderful film. So the Farewell's writer and director, Lulu Wang. Why do I believe this? Because um, she was talking 
to uh, she was talking in an episode of uh, the Ho- uh, Hollywood Reporters Roundtable, kind of um, this like their show that you can watch on net on uh, not Netflix, you can watch on YouTube, and so the interviewer was asking um, all the directors in the round you know on the roundtable whether they'd been approached by Marvel to direct a movie. And Lulu Wang put up her hand. <laughs> I'm not sure if she should have done, but she did. And uh, basically, it means that, yes, she's been approached by Marvel. And I know that Marvel is looking for a female director for Cap- uh, Captain Marvel 2. And I think she would be utterly, utterly perfect to do this. We, we already know she she's a very good writer. Uh, so, I mean, she's not writing this script. Whoever comes in won't be writing the script, but they'll probably have a hand in it. And she's also visually just stunning. If you've watched The Farewell, you'll know what I mean. But she's someone, she's a really interesting director, someone that they can, um, that has her own kind of unique tone, I suppose is the way to say. And also she's got a really good eye. She's got a very, very good eye. And she's someone that, she, I mean, the fact that she also comes from, uh, she's Asian American. She's Chinese American. She comes from a slightly different different background to the rest of um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe directors, who tend all tend to be white American men. And I think it's I think it's something that will it'll offer a unique take on on a character like Captain Marvel that I really think needs something slightly different. And I think that's something that she'll bring in. And I really really do hope they 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 hire her. And I and I think if if they do, Captain Marvel two will be incredible. Second feature this week is, um, so the actual feature is called Is the Witcher's Success the Beginning of the Age of the Video Game TV Movie Adaptation? And the, the whole idea is basically The Witcher, love it or hate it, it showed a unique way and a new way to adapt a video game movie. In the past, it's been it's been very difficult for video game fans going to the, the movies to watch a video game movie because they're all awful. They're all awful. We thought Tomb Raider might be the first video game movie to be good. It wasn't. We thought Detective Pikachu might be that, but honestly, no. And then The Witcher came along, and it was like, yeah, we're mainly uh, based. <laughs> the Witcher is mainly based on the novels, but we do take inspiration from project cd red's game and the be- the best of which is the witcher 3 wild hunt i'm playing that on the moment on my switch it's it's really good <laughs> but it is watching actually after playing that and what having watched the series you kind of see what they've done it's it is very there are really good elements of the video game movie within this tv show and it, i think it it will show and it will open up the floodgates to adapting different kind of of video games, so not relying on like the Mortal Kombat or Tomb Raider or Super Mario, but more games like the ones that came to mind were Bloodborne, or you know, kind of more like even the Legend of Zelda and um, Uncharted as well, uh, and the the Last of Us. Basically, those two are basically films in their on their in their own right, so they should transition very well to the big screen. And I think the fact that people have seen now in the movie industry have seen how popular The Witcher is, which is insanely popular, they will look at that and say, "There's something we can do here. Let's go out and and look at look for IP, look for video game IP that could be made into a sprawling kind of game of not maybe not Game of Thrones esque, but within the fantasy realm, and turn that into another TV show." And I think Bloodborne would be perfect for that. And I think maybe Amazon or Disney Plus, maybe not Disney Plus, but you know, one a streaming service, somebody, HBO, should take this on and uh, take on games like this, kind of big, sprawling games in which you know it's, it's about um, exploring a world and uh, and upgrading your character and you know something. Something that, that The Witcher has really done has proven that you can do it. And um, I, I have problems with the with the series. I think it's a bit of a mess. But I also I also know it's wildly popular and I think it's it's shown us how it can be done. And I think it I think it is the beginnings. I think we're I think we're about to enter the video game movie and TV show kind of era. I think we're coming to the end of the comic book era, I'm gonna be honest. I really do think we are. 
but I think we're I think I think the future is really interesting if you're a video game um, enthusiast and want to see these video games brought to the big screen in a really interesting way. So no lists this week, but there is one review this week, a review of a documentary called Raise Hell, The Life and Times of Molly Irvins. It is incredible. It's directed by a woman called Janice Engel, and it's about a, an American uh, journalist, political journalist called Molly Irvins from Ke- uh, Texas. And it came out last year in 2019. It was at Sundance last year. It won the, um, I believe it won the People's Award, the Audience Award. And it's a basically a biopic about um, Molly Irvins, but it's a bi- I mean, it's a biopic about somebody that's died, but don't let that put you off. Um, for some reason, it puts people off. But Molly Molly Irvins was uh, a journalist unlike any other, and she was uh, <laughs> had a wonderful way with words. Was very Texan, was very political. Didn't care about what people thought about. Didn't care about what people thought about her. And she's there aren't any. I can't. I really struggle to think of journalists that are around that are like her today. The only people that come close to her are people like John Oliver, Stephen Colbert, Trevor Noah. And they all present very political TV shows and they have writer's rooms. But Molly Irvin's was basically her own writer's room. And um, she's somebody that I knew nothing about, really, before before watching this um, this TV show. And um, this TV show, sorry, this, this uh, documentary. And after having watched it, I couldn't believe I knew nothing about her. I was like, this woman is incredible or was incredible. She unfortunately died. Um, a couple of years back, but um, she was a real fighter, somebody that that loved to shake up the system, shake up the the establishment, and um, and she's someone that I think we need, we all need to know more about. And uh, what Janice was able to do with this movie was basically just make it about her and have M- Molly do a lot of the talking. There are talking heads in it, talking about how great she is, but it really is a lot of her. And um, and I really liked that aspect of it. And I thought I knew nothing about her going into the movie and coming out of it. I was like, this movie needs to be seen by more people. People really need to know more about Janice Engel and what, um, sorry, about um, Molly Irvins and, and Janice Engel as well. Look at, look at some of her previous work. And um, it's not getting, it's not being distributed in the UK or Europe at the moment. It doesn't have a UK or European distributor. They are looking for one. But you can go and purchase it on iTunes. You can go and have a look at it on uh, Amazon um, uh, Amazon Prime Video. Um, you have to rent it. And I really, really recommend you do because uh, I really think it's a fantastic bit of uh, filmmaking. And uh, there, there are, I mean, I love documentaries just in general, but this one really stood out to me and uh, mainly because of the brilliance of, of Molly Irvin's. And she's someone I want to know more about, and I think everybody should. Anyway, so that was it. That was There was a lot, a lot to get through. And as usual, I merely scratched the surface of all the news that came out this week. But please go and check out uh, Small Screen, which is at www.small-screen.co.uk for more pop culture news, features, reviews, and lists. You can find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at smallscreengb. Thank you so, so much for listening. Um, And I'll see you back here, same time, roughly same time, next week. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, and goodbye.